0: Today is the last sermon in our series, The Worth of Worship. And we started with gather, gather. We gather in diversity from many places to move toward Jesus, who is our center. And we proclaim. We proclaim what really matters, Jesus and the work he has done. And then we respond. We respond with all of ourselves that he is worthy. Today, we are the invitation. We are sent to be the invitation. So I get excited anytime I open my mail and receive something like this that looks like an invitation. So it it denotes anticipation for a great event. And you know, when we were engaged not so long ago in 1994, (laughs) the decisions around invitations were critical for me. I spent a whole lot of time looking at different cards, the weight of the paper, the color, the texture, the font and the script. Uh, It was so important. The layout, of course, the size, though, of the card really mattered. We ended up paying extra postage so we could send the larger invitations. Yes, all of this really mattered because I felt our invitation helped to set the stage for our wedding, (laughs) which was traditional, and it was floral, and it was formal, So, you know, it used to be back in the day, they sent little cards inside the invitations with a stamp on it where you sent it back and RSVP'd for the weddings. And now I'm seeing several that request that you RSVP online from sites like thenot.com. Not so long ago, I even received a whole wedding invitation by text. (laughs) That was uh, really a new one for me. (laughs) But, you know, it conveyed all the important information, and we showed up where we needed to be. So whether it's by text or a fancy invitation uh, card, invitations are critical for weddings or uh, parties. So we know where to be and what to bring. So at the heart of our text today in Revelation 22 is an incredible invitation. But the passage starts with a sense of urgency. The voice of the angel says, Do not seal up the words of this prophecy, for the time is near. Earlier in the Old Testament, Daniel was told in his prophecies that they would be secret and sealed for the end of time. But John was told not to seal up these words and these prophecies. So through symbols and clear statements, Revelation is designed to reveal certain truths and events relaying to Christ in his return. It is not to be hidden. It is not meant to be hidden and put on a shelf and sealed up, but is meant to be shared now. Ever since Christ's death and resurrection and ascension, we are living in the end times. Did you know that? (laughs) Uh, The time is near for Jesus to come again. So if we look at Revelation chapter 22 as a whole, there are at least five references to abbreviated time. So in verse 6, God sent his angel to show his servants what soon must take place. Verse 7 says, look, I am coming soon. Verse 10, the time is near. Verse 12, again, look, I am coming soon. And verse 20, Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. So it would seem we need to pay attention to this timing. Think about what a comfort these words were to the persecuted church. Jesus was in their midst, walking as one among the lampstands but he was also preparing an incredible place for them, and a time when he would restore all things. This place, described at the beginning of the chapter, has a crystal river of life and a tree of life which brings healing to all the nations. There would be access to the throne and to the Lamb of God who was in the center, and They would see, and we all will see, God's face and radiance and know his complete name, and he will be seen and understood. So the curse and night will be no more. This is the glimpse of heaven that is given. This is what Jesus eagerly says will happen soon. This is part of the invitation for his people. For us, it may just be a heartbeat away. So during his time on earth, Jesus gave warnings and parables about the end times. If you look at Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus talks about the future as imminent, and yet he gives signs that must happen over time. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's famines, false messiahs, and the gospel going out over all the world, to name a few. The main thrust, though, is the time is near. So we are to be alert, living lives of faithful activity. It says in Matthew 24, 36, that the day and the hour of Christ's return is unknown to all, even the angels. Only God the Father knows. So since the time of Jesus, every generation has been certain that they are the last. And with the staggering number of modern day slaves, the devastation of wars and pollution, deadly viruses, food shortages and corruption, I think we can all agree that things do not appear to be getting better with time. And since we are so connected, we get to witness suffering on a scale like never before. But we have these good words of hope that are not to be shed away closed up on our shelves but shared now for Jesus is coming soon and things will be different this can be challenging to grasp in our everyday lives can't it back in a season in my life when I was primarily a stay-at-home mom of four I carpooled after school for the clubs with other moms and kids from Lawton elementary school one day one of the moms named Janet came and found me at one of our school events You see, our sons were in first grade together. And she said that Caleb was quite the preacher in her van. (laughs) And apparently, he started talking about heaven on the way home. He told about all the amazing people. He couldn't wait to meet and the places he was going to explore. of course he would fly and he would talk to animals and they were gonna talk back. But most of all, he couldn't wait to see Jesus. So he asked if everyone in the van was excited to go to heaven too. And I don't know if it was Caleb's imagination taking off from Sunday school or some of our dinner discussions or Narnia, but it made an impact. And Janet told me that it got her thinking of things that she had never thought of before. And there were tears in her eyes. So it happened to be at the time that Bonnie and I had been talking about starting a women's Bible study where we could explore questions of faith in the Bible. And so I invited Janet to a place where there were no wrong questions. And she came to our Wednesday night dinners at First Church with her two kids, where we could eat together. Her kids could go up to Kidstown while our group met together. And over the years, our group, uh, with our group, Janet came to confess her belief in Jesus and the saving work in her life. This group was a safe place for us to talk deeply about faith and hold each other accountable. But we wept deeply when Janet shared about her terminal breast cancer, and the end of her life slipped much faster than we all anticipated. This amazing group of women spent much time loving on Janet together and her kids in practical ways, Most importantly, the group prayed with her and over her, reminding Janet of God's promises and the beautiful restoration that was so near for her. She did not complain, but reflected a joy, even though those very difficult days. So knowing our days are short and holding this truth from scripture, that Christ could return any hour of any day, how are we to live? Being part of this awesome invitation, we need to be clear on what we are to do and not to do. Verse 11 says, Let the wrong keep doing wrong and the filthy still be filthy. That sounds harsh. <laughs> Verse 15 gives a list of who is on the outside of the heavenly city. Uh, notice, along with murderers and spellcasters and sexually immoral, are those who love to tell lies. That's a little closer to home. <laughs> So what are we to make of this? Those who are bent toward what is wrong are going to continue to pursue their ways regardless of what we say or do. So let them. Don't waste precious time and energy trying to persuade them when they do not desire truth. How can we expect people who do not have the Holy Spirit to live like they do? The transformation that leads to behavior modification is God's work, not ours. It's clear here that we are not called to judge. According to Revelations, that's Christ's work. Ever since Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we have confusion about what is God's work and what we were created to do. And much harm has been done in the name of religion. It's not our job to change lives, to pursue or convince. Again, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. But this takes real discernment, doesn't it? (laughs) So what is our work? Here it says to keep doing right. Let those who are holy still be holy. Holy means set apart for God's purposes. So our four kids all went through public school in Seattle, kindergarten through 12th grade, they were called weird <laughs> in other names for things they did or didn't do. Eventually, people noticed they didn't swear. That's weird. <laughs> they didn't cheat on tests. There were certain books and movies they didn't see. They didn't laugh at some of the jokes or go to a lot of the high school parties. And they lost some friends and many opportunities because they were weird. <laughs> As a result of the way they navigated those things, and trying not to point fingers or making others feel bad, our kids have had some great opportunities to answer the why questions of faith from both students and teachers. People are also drawn to them in times of need and crisis, and they're told, there's something different about you. Our daughter, Kendra, worked recently on the set of The Chosen this summer as an intern, and one of their slogans is, get used to different. (laughs) This reflects following the invitation of Jesus, who surpasses all our expectations. So what is being different look like in your context? Maybe being different is being true to your word by following through and showing up exactly when you say you're going to. Being honest with your clients, even when it may make you look bad. Consistently volunteering to be the designated driver. Respecting those in authority over you. Forgiving quickly. Choosing not to gossip. Your quiet generosity. Or speaking words of encouragement and affirmation quickly. I could go on and on. When is the last time someone noticed something different about you? Recently, one of my daughter's friends pointed out that their group likes to sit around and identify the teachers they hate. <laughs> Sometimes it's even other students or a singer or influencer that they really hate <laughs> at the moment. And, but this girl said, not you, Serena. You don't ever talk about hating anyone. Why is that? And Serena replied, it's because I follow Jesus, and he loves everyone, so I wanna love like he does. It doesn't mean that there are not some things that people do that I don't like, (laughs) but I wanna focus on love, not hate. Well, that same friend has said yes to the invitation to some of our youth group events. Are you living a life that invites faith questions? First Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Are you ready to give faith, grace-filled answers for the hope that you have in Jesus? It's hard to do. It's risky even. <laughs> but we have the Holy Spirit to help us, and we do have each other, don't we? Back in Revelation 22, 12, we hear the voice of Jesus speaking again of coming soon as rewarder and judge to repay all as their actions deserve. What actions or works will be judged? In John 6, 29, Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. This essential work centers on acceptance of the whole testimony of Jesus. But we also know from James 2.17 that faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. A faithful life is judged by both faith and works in response to the love of Christ. So we look forward to Jesus saying of us, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come celebrate with me. Jesus can be judged over all people because he shares the nature of God. It says here he is alpha and omega, beginning and end. This sets Christ apart from all created beings. No one else, especially not Caesar, is in this category. None other than God could share in these titles. He transcends all time and no one else is worthy. So those who have access to the tree of life in the city are not the ones who have achieved a human righteousness of good works but those who have washed their robes. This idea has already appeared back in Revelation 7:14 when the redeemed church is described as those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. What a word picture blood as a whitening agent. (laughs) This signifies the deep healing and the cleansing that takes place in our salvation. The tense of the verb wash here indicates a present, continuing action. Christ was a lamb who was slain for the sins of the world. He died once on the cross, and then he rose to defeat the power of sin for all time. This same blood that cleansed the disciples' sins has not lost its cleansing power for us and for those who come after us, for all who believe and receive forgiveness today. Washing our robes also symbolizes sanctification, which is the perfecting grace of God at work in us throughout our lives as believers. The Holy Spirit's presence after our conversion cleanses our hearts and empowers us to witness and to serve. We are cleansed from sin to live a life perfected in love, not performance. What are we to do? Live as forgiven, grace filled people so that the love of Jesus shines through our everyday lives. That's invitational and that's true worship. It's the heart of our mission in Colombia this summer. <laughs> we are going to be the presence of Jesus in the lives of the women and children of Perea. Most of, More importantly than any of the English words we're gonna teach or the business concepts that, that we put, put across, the crafts or the games played with the children, uh, are the reminders of Jesus, the tangible reminders that Jesus sees them, that he hears what really matters to them. That he cares about their needs we also get to receive the love of jesus through them and together all of us including you get to share in god's grace revelation reminds us about who is initiating the heavenly invitation through the pictures and symbols we are given of jesus remember we started the chapter with jesus the lamb of god at the center of the throne of god Now Jesus is the root and descendant of David. The root speaks to his divinity existing way before David as creator and descendant coming from David as man. Jesus fulfills all Davidic prophecies of it kingly reign that will not end. Jesus is fully God and fully man. The scope is also cosmic. Jesus is the bright and morning star. Before the faintest sign of dawn, a tiny star is a reminder that the night will end. The star pulls the morning sun behind it. It's the beginning of a bright new day. And now the spirit and the bride are part of this invitation saying, come, it's spoken in the present tense. It means an action that continues. It is to be actualized in the present. It is a word heard now. Who is this bride? It's the church, the bride of Christ. The heavenly voice is perceived and amplified by the collective saints joining in the invitation. Come. Revelation has consisted of important action verbs like hear, look, and write along with wake up, remember, turn, and keep. At the book's closing, the word is come. The one who hears it is someone other than the spirit or the bride who is expected to say it too, joining in the expanding circle and turning up the volume, increasing the momentum of the influence here on earth. Come, come. At this far end of the vision, there is participation and even vocation. A vision of vocation is explicit, complete with a commission to be sent to the nations on a mission of healing in the world. The Spirit says, come. The bride and many join in, come. And those who hear, many more, come. Come is a word addressed to the thirsty, Thirst is, an, along with hunger, is an elemental need. We all get thirsty, don't we? The closing invitation concentrates on need alone. The solution must then come as a gift. People's deepest needs will be freely met, but those needs must first be recognized and felt. In all my years of working with foster youth, I have never once had one of them seem to want my opinion about how they should live. <laughs> I've had to bite my tongue so many times as I've heard them come to our supply room and share about the food they eat, who they are living with, their job and money troubles, and even if you come in smelling like marijuana. <laughs> but they are not wanting my advice even though i have some really good things to share about what they should or should not do i bite my tongue i listen and i speak of god's love i make myself available and i offer to pray just last week a foster young man took two buses and walked unexpectedly into my office we had helped him furnish his first apartment and i thought For sure, he just wanted some more stuff. So when I asked him, I was surprised when he answered, I just really need prayer. He shared some very difficult things that he was going through. And I read Psalm 23, and I gave him a Bible. I laid my hands on him, and we prayed deeply together. So the Holy Spirit did the drawing through our wonderful, nice stuff that we have up in our our supply room and our lovely volunteers in our faith community that made him feel safe but i had the joy of sharing the invitation of the good shepherd at just the right time we are the invitation that jesus has sent into the world why would anyone be interested in the good news of the gospel except that they see the difference has made in our lives today we're celebrating the 200th birthday of our founder bt roberts and bt and ellen in the late 1850s uh, our free methodist founder challenged the power structure of the conference by writing articles criticizing slaveholding and the pew rental system that left all the poor out of worship in the process bt was put on trial by the Methodist Episcopal Church. And when he was expelled from his denomination, he lost his reputation, he lost his church, his job, and his parsonage. But he and his wife Ellen strove to move away from reaction and towards mission and a movement of the Holy Spirit. They sold some property to buy a place of worship in the heart of the city where those on the margins lived. And they opened a mission above a saloon in Buffalo, New York's Five Points area, where almost every building had a brothel and a bar. Young women who were converted from a life of prostitution even moved in to live with their young family. And, there, and they lived there until they could care for themselves. This became the foundation for the, for the Free Methodist Church there in New York. BT and Ellen lived the invitation that has drawn countless thousands to Jesus. So we get this exciting opportunity to live the invitation too. The water of life, as seen by John, is an awesome reality in the future, but Revelation makes this water, this river of life, available in the present. The most important transaction happens now. A reality that belongs to the abundance of the future breaks into the arid land of our present through the free gift of new life in Christ. It has been been made possible by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and it is extended to all who thirst, to all who are willing to receive it simply by faith. Now, the apocalypse of John ends with a strict warning, not to in any way change the writing of these words. Revelation's message has shown that God is a great giver with the offer of an amazing, magnificent gift. We know there has been many throughout history who have twisted the message of the gift. Over 500 years ago now, the Protestant Reformation was triggered by a posting on the door of Castle Church in Wittenberg by Martin Luther, who wrote 95 theses about how the gift of God had been turned into a commodity that could be bought with money or earned. That's the selling of indulgences. Luther pointed to a damaged picture of God the giver that needed reforming. Revelation's closing closing warning could be distilled to that same concern. Woe to anyone who tampers with the gift. So Revelation also ends with a see you soon. (laughs) Jesus, the speaker, is so eager to come. And soon is a great way to express it. We are sent today to be the good news invitation. Our lives are the message. There is a gift. There is a giver. And there is a great need. And we affirm this in our worship and in our lives. Jesus, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world, is coming. He's coming back soon, and he's inviting us to join him. Of all the ways he could end the revelation, he chooses to end the letter and all of Scripture with an invitation to come to him now. If you have not done so, will you accept this invitation? Are you living so others hear the invitation through you? Will you pray with me? Come, Lord Jesus. We long for the day when suffering and death will be no more. Sometimes this life seems so hard and unfair. We look forward to your total healing, to seeing your face in the light of your radiance. Come, Holy Spirit. Strengthen and equip us to live lives of faithful activity. Sanctify us to be agents of God's grace and love in our world open our eyes to opportunities to share Jesus, and allow our lives to amplify the gospel invitation as we trust in your timing. Jesus, there may be some here who have not yet said yes to your invitation to come and experience new life with you. Thank you for making this gift of eternal life available for everyone, all who say yes, Yes, I believe Jesus came to earth as God's son. Yes, Jesus lived without sin. And I believe all of my sins are forgiven through his death on the cross and his resurrection. I invite Jesus Christ into my life because he alone will satisfy my deepest needs. Jesus, you are the beginning and the end. You are on the throne you are God with us. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And now we are going to have one of our elders, Rick Reynolds, lead us in communion today. And when you are coming forward for communion, if you would like prayer, Pastor Bonnie and I will be on either side. If you'd like to pray about this invitation. Maybe you said yes for the first time, or you have somebody in your heart that you would like prayer for. We are here for you, so please feel free to stop and pray with us. Thank you.